0: Stock markets closing out the second quarter on a high note, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are, we have seen trading up. Bulls are running on Wall Street. Everything's looking great. We even saw the GDP number come out today. It was revised higher. What can we say? All we can say is the good times are here, but will they last? Welcome everyone to Buy, Hold, Sell. I am your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out in sunny and hot Scottsdale, Arizona. Really hot Scottsdale, know know hot. The- it's got to be brutally hot, but you are still going to brave the elements and hit the golf course, and that's all that matters. And I know you'll have an air-conditioned golf It'll be in the bar, well, Todd. Though. It'll
1: be in the bar, and it's <laughs> air-conditioned, all right?
0: There you go. We are joined by a very special guest, a featured guest, Sam Stovall. He is the chief investment officer over at CFRA Research. Sam is welcome. Is, is coming back to buy, hold, sell to give us his outlook for the second half of the year. Welcome back to buy, hold, sell, Sam.
2: Hey, happy to be here, Todd. Good to talk to you again, Tobin. Yes, and, and remember
1: Todd is on his fifth cup of coffee. So just, you know, he'll take it down a little bit.
2: <laughs> is that grounds for concern?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I'll
2: be here I'll all you, week. You
1: you had to take you must have taken
0: a comedy course at uh, at Muhlenberg. That's all you think I <laughs> you always have to hold them jokes, Sam. So Sam, one thing that isn't a joke right now, though, is the stock market. We see we we actually had some um some. I guess we would say a, a bit of a downturn last week here. We're closing out the quarter on a high note. We had some great n- numbers could have rolled out at 830 this morning on GDP. And now you have to suspect, I know that the market continues to climb this wall of worry, as you have recently stated, but I mean, is there anything to really worry about these days?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think first off, history told us that we should have expected a very positive first half, uh, and I can go through those later on if you want. And also, history tells us that we should prepare for a a good second half. That uh, momentum t- tends to carry over from one half to another. Uh, but since your question is like, you know, what keeps me up at night, I jokingly say Putin because he snores but really the answer is that uh, my big worry is a um a rate wreck meaning that if the fed just is um hell bent to raise rates much much higher than we believe that they need to then yeah it's not just uh, to see a crack in the regional bank uh area but rather to have uh, a real meaningful break in real estate in banking etc so my big worry is that the fed takes it further than they need to because right now the fed funds rate is higher than the wage inflation than the year on year core uh cpi ppi pce etc and so uh, i really think that they mm-hmm. have gone far enough or at least with a july hike will have gone far enough
0: okay toby i mean i you know, we've been beating the drum about AI. We've been optimistic this entire quarter. It's clear that big tech is really the rally. I know it's a narrow scope when you're looking at the entire S and P 500, but I just don't see any Sam headwinds. I mean, Sam's talking about if the Fed overshoots, but I don't know. I mean, is it even going to matter? I mean, what do you think?
1: Well, I, I think Sam's on the right track, but I, I just finished a like a one-day research project, or as they say in Canada, project, and uh, I was. Really focused on you know where where we are reality where you know the Fed has sort of painted this picture that you have to be draconian and remember we still have two jobs for every one person available well we have two jobs for every one person available because if you actually look at demographics and net immigration we only have one person for every two jobs in the United States I mean you can't if if the solution. Would be to raise rates so high that we would literally destroy five million jobs, either, you know, two million get fired, another three million jobs get taken off it. Well, you're not gonna have that. I mean, I spent 30 years in Washington, DC. If you think the Fed is gonna be raising rates in a presidential rate cycle to put the country in a recession, then you have not been around as long as Sam and I have, number one. Number two, um, my favorite one, John Rutledge, I was saying uh our old friend, economist, put something out this week saying that. Well, you know, if you if, remember that shelter costs are 46% of all the CPI stuff, right? Rent uh, and and mortgage rates, right? And tax, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So it's a huge, right. the, 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 the CPI, the CPE is 72% services and shelter is a service, believe it or not, right? So if you just step back for a second and look at when rates, excuse me, when housing prices and, and rent started going down, it was October of last year, number one. So Mm -hmm. when we get to October, we're going to see year-over-year lower shelter costs, right? Number one. Number two, we understand that now that people have a, you know, I can get a a three-year, a five-year, a 30-year mortgage at 7%. Back in the the old days, like 16 months ago, I was getting mortgages for two or three percent. Those people are not selling their houses, obviously, because what what are they being idiot? So the only thing that's selling, really, as we saw this week, are new homes. And the reason why the new homes are selling is because the builder takes part of the profit and they, quote unquote, pay down the mortgage. They make they suppress the rate because they pay a cash to the mortgage lender. Well, guess what? Home building is a huge amount of GDP. And then the third thing you have to look at is, and I think most people really don't understand this is the United States, the top 20% of households own, as of yesterday, 86.5%. Of all the wealth in the United States, you maybe will understand why people started going make America great again, when they realized that the bottom 80% own about 14% of the wealth. And what's happening right now, and I just use, anecdotally, I had to fly to LA for business last week to get a flight, no way to get a first class hotel, no way friends are trying to get, you know, go out on Seabourn and go on a great cruise, no way, no see the top 20% spending on discretionary items not stuff but houses is a huge part of this stuff when you add that yeah. all together it the math doesn't work we're not going to have a recession unless the fed goes you know full paul volcker they're not going to go paul volcker to 12 or 14% rates going into a presidential year because guess what the fed is just as political as any other freaking person in dc And um, so therefore, I think that's what the market's telling us. I think Sam's absolutely right that given that background, I'd want to own stocks. And then because of the productivity enhancement that's clearly coming from AI, that EPS should grow and certainly spending is is there. So, I mean, that's the case. And the bare case that we're going to just kill the economy holds no you know, It's all smoke. But but what do you think, though, Sam? I
0: mean, killing the economy, it just seems like that's a far-fetched idea right now. I mean, maybe 6, 9, 12 months ago, we were very worried about this. And here we're at, what, 500 basis point of rate hikes plus, 500 plus. And it's not impacting the economy at all. If anything, things are actually moving along quite nicely right now. I mean, is the fear of recession really there? Because Wall Street doesn't seem to think it is.
2: Well, left to its own devices, I don't think there is a fear of recession. But I think the fear is that because we've been getting such good news recently, consumer confidence, durable orders. Uh, new home sales, uh, and also the GDP, as Toby just mentioned, all that stuff is good news, driving the stock market, at least in the near term. But then that could cause the Fed to say, well, wait a minute, things are getting out of hand. You know, we've got to take the punch bowl away a second time uh, and raise rates much further than they need to go. So, I mean, right now, Fed funds futures are saying, yeah, we'll have a hike in July, but then that's it. And I think that the market is basically saying, we agree with you. And as a result, knowing that going back to 1989, whenever uh, the Fed stopped raising rates, they started cutting rates nine months later on average. The S&P was up 13% on average, all sizes, styles, sectors within the U.S. Mm -hmm. marketplace, combined with 99% of the sub-industries were in positive territory. Uh, Can you guess which was the one that was in negative? You're right. 1989 was savings and loans? No, no, no. Since 89. So oh, gold was the only oh, right. the wow. average decline. Everybody else was positive. So a rising uh tide definitely lifts all boats. And the tide comes in when the market feels that the Fed is done. Yeah,
1: and, and, and well, you know we, Todd, we always say that the market is forward looking, but in yeah. this case. It's been hard to look forward through anything because everything has been so idiosyncratic. We never had a post-pandemic, post-pand- a then a post-pandemic, then a work from home, then a Russian-Ukraine invasion. We've never had all that stuff. And I think it made a lot of sense that people were just confused and everybody's okay. model did not work.
0: I mean- Well, hold on. The, I, well, I, I And mean, you're right. You're right about the models and they're not working. But Sam, the, you know, Powell came right out and said, we're gonna have two rate hikes left this year. But just with what you just said, are you suspecting that we're actually going to have a rate cut this year?
2: No, uh, that we need uh, at least nine months before the Fed starts to cut rates. Okay, we're thinking the first cut takes place maybe latter part of the first quarter of 2024. Um, I mean, Fed Chair Powell has been saying, yeah, we the dot plots say that we're going to be adding two more rate hikes. Um, yet he then always ends with, but of course, we're data dependent. And so as the data <laughs> continue to come in and to show that inflation continues to take uh like Dochamps uh descending a staircase, you know, we see declines in year on year inflation readings. Uh, then I have a feeling that the Fed might say, you know what, not only did we pause last time, but we will pause again after the July hike.
0: Okay. Okay. What do you think, Toby?
1: No, I, I, Sam's right. Although I don't know what the Donchon thing is. That's a little highbrow for uh, you know. Certainly, for, <laughs> certainly for Todd Schoenberger it is. Uh, but but I, again, I'll go back. I'll just go back to the fact that that I I, don't, I think people have a poor grasp that in the United States we have thirty one hundred ish counties. But 62% of those counties create 72% of our entire GDP, number one. So it's, I don't, you know, from a from a macroeconomic standpoint, I don't look at those other freaking counties because they don't matter uh, to the overall state, number one. Number two, obviously, we have uh, uh, an excess right now of oil and natural gas and other energy products. So all those prices have already told us, if you look at all the commodity prices coming down, Geez, that sort of says we're going to have you know less price inflation. Um, and then the final part is is that that fourteen you know that small percentage of households that owns eighty percent of the freaking money in this in wealth in the United States are spending like crazy because mm-hmm. we have the wealth effect because the, uh, you know they're saving freaking five thousand dollars a month and not commuting. I mean you know all the ways that uh, that the the upper top twenty percent commute. I'm telling you, in North Scottsdale here, if if you want to go out on a Friday night, you better have had a reservation for two weeks at a decent restaurant, Uh, unless Mm -hmm. you're pulling into Popeye's, which I occasionally do as well. Uh, (laughs) So, so, If you look at the affluent parts of America, that's what's holding up the service economy. The product stuff is done, right? The supply chain stuff is done. Now it's back to services. And oh, by the way, healthcare is 18%. Of the United States economy and healthcare spending mm-hmm. is going like this because of all the uh, all the procedures that were delayed during uh, the pandemic. So I can create right. more things of why the economy is not going south. But I'll, well, there's I'll-
0: definitely health healthcare inflation. Absolutely. Sam, before we go to break, I want to ask you this: We had your peer on, your professional peer, Gina Martin Adams from Bloomberg. She was on the show last week, and she came right out and said that she does, doesn't care about the economy. To the point where she's just simply looking at, at the equity market because equities are going to continue to rise no matter what's going to happen or whatever happens with the economy. They're not correlated, in other words. Do you believe that that is the case, or do you think that the economy does or should be incorporated in your analysis a little bit more than, say, Gina is looking at it?
2: Well, I think that um, I mean the economy does uh, help decide whether we're going to see higher or lower corporate profits, but I believe I agree with her that really, you know, if you're trying to figure out the economy, you're putting the cart before the horse. Uh the stock market anticipates recessions by seven months. It anticipates the end of recessions by five months. Actually, the NBER's business cycle dating committee, takes eight months before they tell us that the speed bump we hit a while back was a recession. Usually by the time they come out and tell us that we're in recession is when you should buy. Um, So essentially I think that yes, prices lead fundamentals and we can talk in the second block, why I don't think that valuations have risen too much since the bear market bottom.
1: Yeah, Todd. I would just had right. uh, the Atlanta GDP now, which is the real time measurement of was it had two negative quarters in twenty twenty two, which I think we called out. Um, mm-hmm. and people don't sort of you know believe that numbers, but I I know two of the guys that you know have put that together. They were dead right. I mean, yeah, they were right. That bear market followed right after those two negative quarters of GDP. But it's new data, so the old fogies, you know, don't follow it. But, boy, they're looking pretty smart right now, Sam.
0: Yeah, yeah. But that's some brilliant analysis by both of you, actually. So, listen, let's leave it right there because coming up in the next block, we're going to follow up with what Sam just was talking about. Really want to get his thoughts on the second half. Plus, uh, maybe we'll talk about a, a few sectors as well. Maybe some that you should look at. Maybe some, some that you should stay away from. But we are joined today by CFRA's team investor strategist, Sam Sturball, on Buy, Hold, Sell. Please stick with
3: us. We'll be right back after the break. Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called I'll also be sharing business bites with you. Simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app, or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. In a world where secrets have consequences and lies can't be hidden forever, immerse yourself in the gripping new thriller, No Lie Lives Forever by Todd M. Schoenberger. Join Wall Street hedge fund manager Travis Carmichael as he delves deeper into a web of corruption and conspiracy, finding himself entangled in a high-stakes game where souls are at stake, and trust is a luxury he can't afford. Critics and readers can't get enough of this heart-pounding page-turner, calling it a masterfully crafted suspense novel that will leave you breathless. No Lie Lifts Forever is a masterfully crafted thriller that will leave you guessing until the very end. With its intricate plot twists and unforgettable characters, this is a must-read for fans of suspense and mystery. From the mind of acclaimed author Todd M. Schoenberger comes a novel that will challenge your perceptions and keep you turning the pages late into the night. Critics and readers alike can't get enough of no-lie lives forever. It's been hailed as a gripping rollercoaster ride, a true page-turner that will leave you breathless. Don't miss your chance to uncover the truth. Immerse yourself in the suspenseful world of No Lie Lifts Forever by Todd M. Schoenberger. Available now on Amazon and at finer bookstores near you.
2: A news story gets shared by a friend on social media or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction?
0: with the second quarter coming to a close for the corner high note. Will we look back at this time and really miss it? Because we're going into the second half of the year. Well, our featured guest today is actually quite optimistic and says maybe good times are actually not only here to stay, but we're going to see even better times next quarter. Welcome back. Well, so we have Sam Stovall, CFRA's Chief Investment Strategist. I think originally, Sam, when I introduced you, I had you as the Chief Investment Officer, the CIO of CFRA Research. My apologies on mixing up the title there. But either way, you are probably the most important uh, research analyst that CFRA has. I know you don't want to say that on the record, but we'll, we could say it for you. So so Sam, I do want to talk to you because you, you're just in your commentary that you had published just recently, you talk about the second half of the year you seem very optimistic. We've had you on the show a few times. You've always been very positive, but you seem overly positive right now. But are there any pitfalls that investors should be, uh, be leery of as we go into the second half?
2: Well, you started the first block with uh, negative news. So let's start with positive <laughs> news. You know, I always there you like, go. I like to say that when life gives me lemons, I make whiskey sours. So...
1: <laughs> that is so well rehearsed, Stovall. That is so
0: well
2: rehearsed. <laughs> All right. Beginning of the year, the market told us it was going to be a good year, or at least chances are. Whenever we've had a down year, the market actually uh, posted a better than expected return up 14.5% on average versus a 9% annual gain for all years going back to World War II. And we saw an improvement in the batting average 81% of the time versus 71% of the time that the market was higher. Add to that the stock traders almanac's January barometer. So a down year followed by an up January. The market was higher by 21 percent and was up 92 percent of the calendar years. And then if you add, well, if the first quarter low was not below the December low, the market was up 100 percent of the time in those calendar years, and the price average price gain was 25 percent. I'm not saying that we should expect that kind of return. But I do believe that we have a positive bias in our favor. Going again back to World War II, whenever you have had a positive first half uh, and the sec- that uh, first half saw a gain in excess of 10%, we're up 14.5% uh, through the 29th, the market was Uh, up an average of 8% or basically twice the average uh, second half gain uh, with the frequency of advance up 13 percentage points. So Mm -hmm. my year-end target is 45.75, the same target as I introduced in late December of 2022, which is really less than 5% away from where we are today. Uh, And I think that we have a lot of things going in our favor one being that the bear market ended on October 12th of last year. We right. saw it advance by 20% through June 8th. Plus, we have recovered 70% of what we lost in that prior bear market. We have never had a new bull market turn right around and then uh, break below the prior low. You know, Basically, after recovering as much as we have, we tend to go on recover all that we lost and then we're in uh in a sense uncharted territory but history says we still have a ways to go
0: Forty-five, seventy-five, toby what do you think you're gonna um you're gonna top that number
1: yeah i i i think so and there's a couple things i mean obviously i mean i love the historical references but you know remember that it's it's, it's not always the same it just rhymes a lot i was feeling a little uh tmt deja vu there for a while sam when uh all of a sudden you know anything with AI. I mean, my favorite one was C3AI, which is a POS company that doesn't do any AI, but they just added AI to their number, you know, to their name. When they went up 350%, now I was thinking about dot-com, you know, days that made Yeah. It. And, you know, it ran so hard and fast, we needed to pull back. We needed just at least come back to the 20-day moving average, right?
2: Oh, I agree. And, you know, when you think back to 2000, however, everybody was saying, oh, my gosh, the stock market is cheap because we're trading at 60 times forward. And it's like uh, technology is not that important or at least uh, worth that much going forward. But right now we're looking at something that's well less than half of that valuation for the technology sector. Granted, I think one reason why large caps are outperforming small caps, even though they normally outperform small caps normally outperform large caps in the beginning of a new bull market first off is because of the cap that the possible higher interest rates represents for this group but also because the tech sector is 28 percent of yeah. the large cap universe but less than half of that in small caps and you have uh, a greater representation in financials and real estate in small caps that you do in large caps
1: yeah there's no question uh sam and i you know when, Todd, when you're asking about, you know, downside stuff. Well, the one I'm mm-hmm. finding very interesting is, uh, you know, the office space REIT holders and the office space Fernados and all these big uh, uh, office holders. And they're just, they're going to figure it out. Remember, we sort of had our little stare in the, in the face of death with the Silicon Valley bank failure. And then, you know, the, the, the fear of the ripple effect. And these guys jumped in with crazy, crazy money behind us. I mean, they just basically... It was too big to fail, even though it wasn't too big to fail, right? But but think of the other stuff that's going on now. Is we got about six and a half trillion dollars of cash money that's been injected into the United States economy with the uh you know the S- Semiconductor Act, with my favorite inflation reduction act, malarkey the greatest name of, of, of anything of all time, um, since it does nothing to reduce inflation. But but we haven't add, we haven't even added that six trillion dollars of spending I can tell you here in Arizona Taiwan semiconductor is just is putting a 365 million dollar plant excuse me a 3.65 billion dollar plant and they just uh, they just filed to add another 4.5 billion dollar plant you know those mm-hmm. beans add up and somewhere, I you know I I think Sam's been absolutely right. I mean this is a new cycle. We never had situations in the other times we had bear markets where we also had six and a half trillion dollars added. That's in the it's in the trickle down world because every dollar you spend on that plant, there's about twelve dollars that goes into the economy with jobs and carry on and insurance and all that stuff. And so. Uh, we're in a essentially an infrastructure bull market, and we haven't had an right. infrastructure bull market, uh, you know, in a long time. And it's out there with basically free money. I just ordered an electronic uh, EV of which I get a seventy-five hundred dollar I, I leased it a seventy-five hundred dollar credit that goes against the lease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I couldn't say no. I mean, I couldn't yeah. say. No. And it's made in the United States, and it uses you know uh, EV battery metals from the United States and North, you know, Canada, North America blah, blah, blah. If you just add all this stuff, that's what I did for our subscribers this week, I just added up the piles of money that have been pushed into the system, and then the recovering of work, and then the top 20% of people who are spending like crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. mathematically impossible to have a recession unless the Fed went Volcker. But the Fed is not going to go Volcker. And you know if, if they were going to do it, those dot plots, and plus they 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 tell Greg Ipp at the Wall Street Journal, a couple of other guys that they like to, you know, tell what they're gonna do. If they were saying, hey man, we got four more uh rate here," here's the dot plot, et cetera, that'd be one thing. But they're yeah. not because it's an election year and they're not gonna do it.
2: Toby, you yeah, love it. Yeah. So uh maybe you can add G V going Volker uh, along with EV. <laughs> I Love that. You know I what? That. Only
1: Sam, only you and I remember Paul Volcker. As I said, I was like 1981. I'm selling bonds to pension plans as the junior, <laughs> junior dude at Kidder Peabody. Yep, yep. And I walk in, and people, you know, would start throwing knives at me and you know paper balloons and shit. And I say, you know, you guys are all bummed out because your bonds are worth less 40. percent By the way, we, we we forgot the part about how the bond market was down 22 in 2022, which hasn't happened. Except for 1991, when I was trying to sell bonds, um, yeah. So now, you know, we're at that situation where we don't have the physical capacity. Oh, by the way, I think we had a 282 billion dollar national debt at that time, not 7.3 trillion dollars. So yeah. that's another reason why the Fed can't go all Volcker because if we raise the, the 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 debt service for the United States by two percent. It would, it would, it would, we'd be wiped out. We, the dollar would drop, bond values would soar. I mean, it, it, I mean, yields would soar. So we're in a box, and we used to be in a box where you know you had to raise rates. Now we're in a box where you can't raise way, rates.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey Sam, I, I wanted something you mentioned in your commentary. How you talked about the S&P uh, with narrow leadership, and Toby and I have been talking about this on Buy Hold Sell for some time. That it's really a handful of stocks that have really push this market higher and and obviously in that melting up phase. But do you think that poses more risk for an equity investor right now, knowing that you only have a handful of companies that are pushing stocks higher?
2: Well, I think if you look at the S&P on a cap-weighted basis, then yeah, it's the magnificent seven Uh, and it's really from communication services, consumer discretionary, and tech that are doing the driving. But if you look at it on an equally weighted basis, about 60% of the stocks in the S&P 500 are in positive territory this year. If you look also at the percent of the 153 sub-industries in the total stock market universe, that's the large-cap Plus mid cap, plus small cap, 75% of them are currently trading above their 10 week or 50 day moving average. About 65% are above their 200 day moving average, and nearly 60% are above both. So, you know, it's not just seven. uh, It's because these are the behemoths that are getting most of the attention, but certainly from a, a mid and small cap area. Um, You know, there's also participation. And when you look to the near 40% discount that the mid and small caps are trading on a uh, relative PE basis, uh, it's basically screaming for any kind of a long term investor to uh, hit the like an eBay, buy it now.
1: Yeah. Hey, Todd, I I just, I had this. Uh, There's a couple of research reports I just read recently that went back to every bull market. And the data said that in every bull market, it was 10% of the stocks that uh, allocated for most of all the gains. It's not like this is unique. I think a a lot of people were focusing, well, how can it be the magnificent seven? If you you get rid of that, we're all flat. Sam made all the great points on on that math. But I'm not always Mr. History, but you go back to the 60s, you go back to the 70s, you go back to the 80s, 90s when you had this leap, you know, these these bear markets turn into bull markets. It was 10%. Why? Because there was new stuff that came out. Freaking yeah. the disposal companies are not going to you know the horse and buggy guys are not going to be leading, you know, the industrial revolution. When you know, when we had the Nifty 50 before even I started, Sam, um we had 50 companies that led, you know, basically were all the games for seven or eight years and then it pooped out the year that I made my first investment in a mutual fund, the enterprise fund, Sam, Jerry Tsai was a neighbor growing up and he yeah. came by and he showed me his like commission check or something, pulled out of his book. And he had a $125,000 payment he got for his like quarterly bonus. And I was like, I'm getting into that business. That's how I got started.
2: Was he in the first yeah. fund?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, he was the manager of the enterprise fund and, um, so anyway, my point was, was that, that if you go back in history, Todd, the, the, don't be afraid of 10% of people leading the new bull market because our economy transitions and transforms and leadership changes. Um, and well
0: it's good it's good yeah. to know, but we've talked about the the FOMO investor and the ones that are coming in right now. and you guys know hedge fund managers, they look at the sharp ratio and that's the measurement of risk. So if you have these new people that are coming into the market, they're throwing this cash in there, that's great for the ones that have already been invested. But the wondering if I wonder how much risk there is, is it riskier now than it was, say, back in January? It sounds like it's not. It's actually I'm not going to say use the word safer, but it's clear that this is a broad based rally and uh, with, uh, you know, many more stocks than I think what's being reported right now, which is a great sign. It's a great right. sign for, for the is, bulls to continue it to is run. Broad,
2: it is broadening out. Uh, And even though Toby doesn't want me to say it, according to history, um, (laughs) that basically after in what I call a garden variety bear market, a 20 to 40% decline, after we eclipsed that plus 20% move to confirm that we're in a bull market, the S&P continued to advance for an average of four and a half months, rising 14.5%. Obviously, not every one of those uh, instances had that kind of return. But basically, the weakest one had a gain of about 5% or so. So Mm -hmm. typically, it's not like the messenger from Marathon who says, rejoice, we conquer only to collapse and die out of exhaustion. Uh, We still have, uh, you know, we still have ways to go.
1: All right. And that's a historical metaphor that I can totally uh, get behind. Uh, (laughs) But I thought I would only uh, add add this to our uh, very uh, smart uh, guest that markets are are at the the beginning of all this is still human beings and the psychology of human beings. We've always had FOMO. We just didn't have a good acronym uh, for it. I mean, my lord, did we have FOMO when Barbara Streisand was giving stock picks on the Today Show in 1990? You know,
0: <laughs> Barbara Streisand.
1: Yeah, uh, she was. She was. I remember watching that, and I didn't even have a video recorder. I was just so dumbfounded that Barbara Streisand was telling people to buy eBay instead of something else. Anyway, was <laughs> being a
2: funny
1: girl. Yeah, right. Being girl. <laughs> but don't boom, I'll be here all week. Uh, but uh, Sam is so right about. I mean, I just used the psychological perspective on it. Is that As soon as people get down in it fearful, they sell. That's always the retail. That's why MLPs, for instance, Master Limited Partnerships, during the the beginning of the pandemic, a Master Limited Partnership that has 20-year contracts to deliver natural gas or oil or water through these pipelines with the largest companies in the world that have never Mm -hmm. had default, but they're owned by individuals, not pensions because they have a K-1, right? You can't do that as a pension. They dropped 80% some of them for absolutely no reason, except for a not FOMO. It's get me the FOMO out of here. Because they were just, for the, you know, they didn't know.
2: Yeah, we it's bought, not SOMO, it's ONO. Oh, it's ONO, oh, right.
1: <laughs> and we thought, I just got a note from a, a subscriber today, a, money, a management client too. He says, you know, Toby, I'm up 420% of oh. these MLPs that you we bought for $2 on the dollar. Plus, my yield is like 30%. And I said, well, you know, that's great, uh, Mark. But uh, I know you're 75 years old. That's never going to happen again to you, my friend. So don't sell any of that stuff. Keep getting yeah. those. Reinvest the dividends if you want. You don't need the money. But we've had these way historic, way over the top, back to back to back. And I think what Sam is saying and what I'm saying is is that now that we're sort of through the darkest part of the tunnel and you could actually see some light, now the psychology is Mm -hmm. following history. And people are saying, you know, I, listen, I still have 25% of our funds getting 6% yields, you know, from treasuries. That's just a ballast thing. But mm-hmm. we're now at that point where businesses are going to grow. Earnings per share, people are so afraid they were just going to fall off the cliff. And that's not Yeah. It. So the funds part, okay. right? And there's a lot of cash on the sidelines. And where's it going to go now? That's really the answer.
0: Well, it's gonna, they're going to start investing in pet stock. AI, I guess, right? So, yeah. right, no, no. Let's hope uh, that doesn't. Now, please don't do that. If we're not telling anybody. Not even saying that even exists.
1: I'll All bring right, up my puppet. I'll bring up my puppet if you want next time.
0: I haven't seen the puppet in over a year. I thought you lost. Oh, okay, it, so you got to right. bring it back. Got to bring it back. So, listen, Sam. One more time. What is the price target? What do you have on the on the level for the S P forty five, forty five, seventy
2: five. And, Forty-five, seventy-five. Yep, and forty-eight, twenty by this time next year.
0: Forty-eight, twenty this time next year. That sounds like a buy hold so exclusive to me.
1: So that's awesome. We're going to we'll hold tar- that, But I- Todd, my target is forty-eight, thirty next year. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's like yeah, if you, if you right. go over, you don't get the washer and dryer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, we're going to close out the show on that one. So, listen, on behalf of Tobin Smith, I am Todd Schoenberger. We want to give a special thanks to Sam Stovall. He is the chief investment strategist over at CFRA Research. Go check out CFRAresearch.com for all of his commentary. I'm sure Sam, obviously, is. Uh, they've they publicized you just as much as we're going to publicize you. So, we do appreciate you being on the show today, Sam. And My I can't progress. thank you enough for that. Absolutely. definitely definitely so listen so uh so thanks again ladies and gentlemen for joining us on we'll catch you next time take care
1: i want you to smash that like button <laughs> <laughs>
2: On any given day in Washington, policy proposals are created, debated, and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes. On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one?